Critical thinking is the most important skill you can have when you're living in a world that seems to have lost its mind. Everyone out there is trying to tell you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. In every episode, I'm exposing the logical fallacies being used by advertisers, politicians, influencers, news outlets, social media memes, and maybe even your own best friend. Warning, listening to this podcast will cause you to see bad thinking everywhere. Welcome to the Filter Through a Brain Cell podcast. Hey, what is up, thinkers? Welcome back to another episode of the Filter Through Brain Cell podcast. I'm super glad you're here. And I am going to be starting a new series today, a short mini series. But before that, I do want to, let's do a quick review of a fallacy that we covered earlier in this season, the pathetic fallacy. And I know, the name kind of makes me chuckle too. So try this, try hitting pause real quick and see if you can remember what the pathetic fallacy is and then come back and see if you got it right. So a pathetic fallacy happens when someone attributes human emotion and actions to things found in nature that aren't actually human. And while it may be a thinking error in some instances, it's also, and I would say probably more commonly, a literary device that authors and artists use to paint interesting word pictures. Now, the word pathetic in this sense isn't referring to being miserable or totally lame-o like we would think of it. It's actually taken from the Greek word pathos, which means experience or emotion. So most of the time, a pathetic fallacy isn't necessarily an error in thinking. It could be, and you can go check out episode 66 for an example of when that it did happen. But typically, it's just used to make things sound more interesting or relatable or to convey a certain feeling or emotion. Uh, so anyways, but I'm still going to give you a question to ask yourself when you come across it. And here it is. Is that part of nature really feeling that way? Or are they trying to make me feel that way? So again, if you want to review this fallacy, go back and check out episode 66. Okay, so about this new uh, series that we're starting today. A few months ago, I had shared on my Instagram page uh, some pictures of my daughter doing a debate with her homeschool class, and I asked if anybody was interested in me talking about teaching your kids how to debate well. And several of you said, yes, help a parent out. So because let's face it, um, at that age, our teens are going to debate and argue. I totally remember being in this phase of my life and loving to debate about all the things. It really didn't even matter what they were. Some things were just ridiculous and totally irrelevant to most of my life, but I just had this urge to argue and debate. And what I've learned is that it's a totally normal phase of human development that we all go through where we just want to debate and argue. And as parents, we can try to squash it down by saying things like, stop arguing, or because I said so. But really, is that the best way to handle it? And I know it can get annoying listening to siblings argue and quarrel all day, and it can get exhausting constantly having your teen push back on what seems like everything you say. (laughs) Like, look at the beautiful orange sunset. That's not orange, mom. It's a deep yellow. Oh, good grief, right? <laughs> this, is, this sounds familiar. This is what happens in my house. But what if we looked at this phase a little differently? What if we embraced it as a normal and even a good stage of development that our kids are going to go through? And rather than trying to get them to stop arguing and debate it, what if we teach them how to do it well? Think about it. They're already doing it. They're in a phase when they're excited to engage with others about their ideas and their thoughts, and they want to push back. They want to push in to try to find answers and to try to win others over to their way of thinking. These are amazing skills. So let's use it as an opportunity to learn how to do it well by teaching them a few basic skills. So 
Let me just say this up front. I am no expert in formal debate. <laughs> My daughter and I both started learning about formal debate just last year when she was in ninth grade, and it was totally new and totally foreign to me as I had never learned about it when I was in school. And no, I'm not going to be teaching formal debate here on the podcast because the bottom line is most of life is not a formal debate, right? It's a cool skill to learn. If, you've, if you have the chance to get into debate or something, give it a shot. It's super cool to learn. But Life is not formal debate. Life is a series of conversations that we're going to have with the people in our life. And so what I wanted to do is take a few of the principles that I learned from learning formal debate and just share them with you in a short series I'm going to do on how to debate and argue well. We're going to keep it super simple. And as of right now, I plan this, I plan this to be a five-part series. Uh, that might change as I get into it. <laughs> Maybe I'll add to it. We'll see. But I'm going to give you five essentials to argue well. And today we're just going to talk about number one. So here's number one. In order to debate well, you have to learn both sides of the issues. Okay, so for every debate that my daughter does, she has to prepare an argument for both sides, for the affirmative and for the negative. And yes, even when she's arguing for something she strongly believes in, she has to research and understand and prepare an argument for the opposite side. And as you can imagine, she doesn't like it very much. It's hard to try to see and even argue for something you disagree with. So why do it? Well, in formal debate, they do it because they don't know which side of the argument they're going to be called on to defend in the actual debate. But the principle still holds in real life too. The biggest benefit to researching both sides of an argument is because it's impossible to argue well if you don't know all the arguments the other person is going to bring up. You have to be able to know their points so that you can find evidence to refute it. You have to put yourself in their shoes to understand their motivation behind their arguments. Most people cannot do this, so they just end up resorting to emotion and name-calling. Now, let me give you a tool. Here's a little tool that you can use to help you look at both sides of an argument. It's called a pro-con list. So a pro-con list is basically you take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle. On one side, you label the column pros, and on the other side, you label it cons. And then you do a brainstorm, and you come up with what are all the pros pros, right? Meaning the four reasons for this thing that I'm arguing. And then you brainstorm on the other side, what are all the cons? What are all the reasons against? And here's what you have to do is you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes and see things from their perspective and their viewpoint, viewpoint, not just yours. So yes, you'll do the pros and cons as you see them, but you also have to do that as the other person sees them. Let me give you an example and this will make sense. Okay. For instance, Let's say the argument or the debate that you're going to have is with your parents and you're trying to win them over to your viewpoint that your family should get a dog. So in order to do that, you could start with a pro-con list. What are all the wonderful reasons that could come with having a dog? That would be your pro list. That would be easy since you're the one who wants a dog, right? Now, you'll come up with all the reasons you want a dog, but then you're going to need to go beyond just the things that are wonderful to you. Maybe you want a dog because they're cute and cuddly and you want to snuggle with it or you want to play, play fetch in the backyard, right? But what about your parents? What could be a possible motivation for them to let you get a dog? This is where you could point out that caring for a dog will help you become more responsible and learn how to take care of an animal. When it comes to the con side of the list, you're going to also have to think about the things that your parents would consider a con, such as, well, what will we do with a dog when we go on vacation? Who's going to walk it and clean up the poop in the backyard, right? So when you can brainstorm the pros and the cons and do it from both your own 
and the other person's perspective, you are going to have a much stronger chance of winning them over because you'll be able to make a much stronger argument and you will be prepared to respond to whatever points they bring up. So that is why it is essential. And the number one thing that you can learn is that you have to learn and you have to look at both sides of an issue if you want to make a good argument. Okay, that's it for today. Join me in tomorrow's episode where I will give you the second thing you need to do to argue well. And remember, when you learn how to think, you will no longer fall prey to those who are trying to tell you what they want you to think. And it all starts with asking one simple question. Is that really true? I would love to hear from you. Do you have questions about fallacies and cognitive biases? Are you now starting to see and hear them everywhere around you too? Well, send them in. They just might get featured on the podcast. You can email them to me at think at filteritthroughbraincell.com or you can connect with me on Instagram at filteritthroughbraincell. And if you want to be notified about when new episodes come out and all the things that we're doing, go to www.filteritthroughbraincell.com sign up to receive email updates. I would love it if you would help us on our mission to teach society how to think well. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with people in your life.